The season of Lent is a good one that gives us lots of great scripture passages, and today is no exception. We get two really big stories, and either one of them would be worth a nice long sermon, but put them together, and we can draw some connections. We can connect dots over time that I think could be really important to us. In our Old Testament lesson, we hear about the Ten Commandments. In our New Testament lesson, we hear that story of Jesus going to the temple and overturning the tables of the money changers. They're dining dynamic stories, and I want to try and connect those dots. Now, in Lent, we have a couple times talked about the idea of a covenant. A covenant is a promise that God gives to humanity, and that promise began way back when, but I want to talk about the promise that God made to Abraham first, and that promise to Abraham at his very ripe old age of 99, when he had no children, was that not only would he have children, but his children would fill up the whole world. And it was through his children, his descendants, that God would bring the entire world to himself. Now we get Moses taking the Israelites out of Egypt and taking them to Sinai. And at Mount Sinai, Moses receives the Ten Commandments. Now, if you haven't read the Ten Commandments recently, I mean, we just heard them, they aren't full of details. The Ten Commandments are kind of directions. There are some boundaries, but they're pretty wide boundaries. And as people are wont to do, just like us, the people back then started asking questions about what the Ten Commandments really meant. How are we actually supposed to follow these commandments? How are we supposed to remember the Sabbath day? Does that mean we think of it? Does that mean we have to go somewhere and do something? Does it mean we're not supposed to do other things? How are we supposed to deal with the idea of taking things? I mean, obviously stealing something is black and white to a point. What if you find something and you can't figure out if anyone owns that? Is it okay to take it? And how about lying? Like, we shouldn't blatantly lie to someone. Well, but what if that lie actually helps save someone's feelings or is ultimately a gift to someone else? You see how it begins to get complicated? It's not quite so easy to follow each of these rules. And as good people, especially the ancient people, the Jewish people, they wanted to follow these rules. They wanted to do the best that they could. And so they started asking all of these questions and building all of these rules around the Ten Commandments. The intention was good. They wanted to do what God asked them to do, but as they began to create more and more complicated system of rules, the rules themselves became the point. People forgot that the rules were only supposed to point them and connect them to God, and they focused too much on whether someone was doing exactly right or not. And it was into that situation, step Jesus. Jesus, in many different ways, tends to say, the rules are not going to save you. God saves you. The rules, although they can be helpful, if you let the rules become the idol, then you've gotten things backwards. And so Jesus goes into the temple that day, the Big T Temple, and he gets mad and he creates a whip and he drives out all of the livestock and he turns over the tables and throws the coins everywhere and tells people to get out of his father's house. So we're going to have a pause and we're going to have a little side comment about why the people were in the temple to begin with. So we know that they had all of this livestock, cattle, sheep, doves. They were obviously selling these things and changing money. And it's all because people were coming to the temple to worship and to offer a sacrifice. 
Now, the people who were coming to that temple in Jerusalem, they didn't all live near Jerusalem. Many of them were traveling days, if not weeks, to get there. And they knew, as good Jewish people, that when they arrived at the temple, they had to make an offering. They had to make a sacrifice. But it's kind of hard to bring a couple goats with you for two weeks as you're walking on dusty roads. And so what Jesus walks into that day in the temple was the very first 7-Eleven. These people had gotten all the stuff together in order to conveniently provide sacrifices for all of the good Jewish people who had made the pilgrimage to be at the temple. Now that doesn't sound so bad in theory, does it? If somebody just couldn't bring all of the stuff with them, but they could buy it in Jerusalem and then offer that sacrifice, doesn't that kind of check the box and follow the rules? The problem, though, is that God doesn't need a sheep. That's not the, pur the purpose. God wants for us and for the people back then to give of ourselves. God doesn't want our stuff to be convenient. God doesn't want whatever we can give in comfort. God wants us. God wants us to give whatever we can, to give our whole selves. And so making things convenient, not the point, because it, the animals were not the point. The point was generosity from what we earned and worked for and valued most. That kind of situation helps Jesus to make the point clear to his disciples. It's not about the stuff. It's about our giving of ourselves. And the same is true today. We are called to give of ourselves, not whatever's convenient and not whatever is comfortable. God doesn't want our convenience and our comfort. God wants us. And when we give ourselves over, then we begin that discipleship journey. Discipleship is really what we're called into. That idea of discipleship begins when we know that we are not in control. The rules can fool us into thinking that we can control every step of the way, but we cannot. And admitting that we are powerless admitting that we do not have the control that our world tries to fool us into thinking we have is the most important way to begin that discipleship journey. Now, as I was thinking through all of this, I could not help but think of recovery communities. Like as seminarians, we often study the 12-step process of recovery because there isn't much out there that is as effective in changing habits than the 12 steps. And what's the first step? Admitting you have no control. Admitting you are powerless. You cannot actually change your habits unless you give yourself over entirely. And that means giving away the control that we are fool ourselves into thinking that we have. That kind of recovery can change lives in very meaningful ways. I remember the first time I was a young priest in my 20s and I was on a staff and there was an older priest who had been doing this for decades and she at the time was 27 years in recovery. And as one day we were having this conversation, I said, at some point, aren't you just recovered? And she said, no, because every day I wake up and make the choice, every day, I wake up and choose the life that I want to have. 
I choose to be the person I want to be. And I kind of think, wouldn't that be awesome for us as Christians to think of ourselves as in recovery from a world and from a way of being that pulls us down and never satisfies us? And instead, we make the intentional choice every day to actually live into the way that God created us to be because God created us. God wants us to actually become the person that we are created to be, but we can't do that by accident. That kind of intentional choosing day in and day out, not only the choosing, but the commitment to the behaviors, to the habits that change us over time are critical to our own discipleship. Those kinds of habits, we know well, they're the Christian habits. It's stuff that church people do. But often, those churchy things can be a little intimidating or perhaps so very foreign to us that we don't know exactly how to even begin. And I remember this. I mean, I grew up going to church. My parents took me all the time. But it wasn't until I was a young adult that I actually made the commitment to start praying. Now, I didn't know how to pray. To me, prayers sounded poetic and beautiful, and I had no skill like that. But finally, one day, I just gave it up and started and in a sense, I kind of leaned into the old classic idea of fake it till you make it. I just figured I would fake praying until I actually knew what I was doing. And over time, I found that I was more comfortable doing that. Perhaps, as Christian people, the best advice that we can give one another is to just try. Just fake it till you make it. Christianity is not actually that hard. Loving people, it's not that hard. Praying, not that hard. Learning, not that hard. Giving, a little harder, but still not that hard. This idea and the way that we create behaviors around our discipleship, this is not that complicated, but it's so easy for us to make it so complicated that we never actually take the first step. Lent is an opportunity for us to try. And when we fail, just try again. God is not keeping score. The perfectionism that we put on ourselves is unnecessary. It is definitely what the world says of us. God does not expect perfect. God just expects us to try. And that kind of trying is what we're called into. Not tomorrow, not next month, or not after Easter. Today, we are called to try. Try to pray. Just try. Try to give more than you think you can. Try to love people. There are plenty of people in the world that are not easy to love, let's just be honest, but we can sure fake it till we make it. I mean, try acting like you love someone and then maybe over time, you actually will love them. This kind of formation does not happen in a day or in a month or in a year. This happens over the course of our entire lives and we are never done. Every day, we are called to choose again and again the life we wish to have, the life God made us to have. And so today, just try. Try something. Try a few things that perhaps have always seemed a little difficult or maybe intimidating, knowing you will not do them right. That's okay. Because God doesn't need right. God needs us. God needs you. And so today, 
just say yes and give it a try because our faith will transform us over time. And before you know it, you're going to be so much closer to God than you ever thought you could be. Let us pray. God, we thank you for the gift of imperfection that allows us to try what it is you call us to do and to be. May each one of us have the courage inside to give discipleship a try today. And in doing so, be changed for good. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.